straight from the boardroom to the microphone. I'm April Garcia, and this is The Spark, easily applied tools and hacks to get you ahead. This isn't just a podcast. This is an upgrade for your life. Helping good people become even better. This is The Spark. In this episode, we're going to discuss self-sabotage. I'm going to cover the three primary reasons we self-sabotage, some of the common triggers, and how to punch self-sabotage in the face. I know, it's sticky, but hang with me. We're going to get through this together. I'm April Garcia, a business advisor, performance coach, serial entrepreneur, traveler, mama, wife, and just about everything in between. I've made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I only advise great executives and ambitious entrepreneurs on growing their business, having the right mindset, and contributing more to their world. First, let me say, we all struggle with self-sabotage. I don't care what level you're at. I don't care how enlightened you are, how successful you are, how grateful you are and happy. We all struggle to varying degrees with self-sabotage. So first, I want you to hear you are not alone. You are in a community, a very large community, humans, that are self-sabotaging. What's important is that we recognize these patterns. And once we can do that, once we can recognize how this keeps reoccurring, that's when we can start to recondition ourselves for success. And that is absolutely possible for us to recondition. I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I facilitated it. It's, I've done it with myself many, many times. So first, let's dig into why. Why do we do it? Why do we even self-sabotage to begin with? It comes up so often with my coaching clients, so much in life. And why am I working so hard to realize this dream, an ideal job, a diet, a business, a, a partner, ideal finances, and then I stand in my own way. We know it's running counter to our goals, yet we keep doing it. We keep blocking ourselves. Working with one of my coaching clients yesterday, he mentioned self-sabotage. He mentioned missing critical meetings, not getting up in the morning, not taking that last step to success. And I've heard that so many times from people and they get, they're mad. They're mad at themselves. Why do I work so hard to realize this dream, this job, diet, partner, finance? And, and then I'm, I'm blocking myself. We're running so hard towards these things that we want. And then we run counter to our goals. Here are some of the reasons that this can happen. So for many, it's imposter syndrome, which is so pervasive. Now, that is a term imposter syndrome used to be associated primarily with, with, with executives, but that's really not the case. Anyone can have imposter syndrome. And what that looks like is as you climb higher and higher in, in your profession or your status or with a partner, you suddenly you feel like a fish out of water. You don't belong with this high-flying group. You feel like a fraud. And that's not just, again, in your profession. That can be in our life. It can be the amount of money that we make, a social circle that we find ourselves in, that we don't really feel like we're good enough to be in. 
that if people knew the true us, how messy our car is, how often we ate fast food for lunch, how we also we, we miss important meetings, we, we skipped kids' soccer practice. If people knew that part of us, that side of us, the, the messy side, the real side, then people would see us for what we really are, a fraud. Really not worthy of our title, our partner, our job, our status, our house. So that's one reason why we self-sabotage is imposter syndrome. Another one, and this is a big one, guys, is self-worth. And it's hard sometimes to admit or even acknowledge privately that we have self-worth issues. But a lot of us do. And even though a person may want success so desperately and work so hard on it, they feel deep down inside that they don't deserve it. In fact, more than a few incredibly ambitious people, they push so hard because they struggle with feeling inadequate. That's where it's stemming from. Not all, but there's definitely some. And I see this as an advisor. I I can be talking to a 50-year-old successful man that's doing very well for himself by most other people's accounts. He's living a good life. He's contributing. He he has a good profession. He has a good, uh, you know, spiritual balance. But he's struggling with self-worth because because his father told him when he was 10 that he was lazy, that he starts a bunch of projects and he never completes them and he's too lazy to ever finish them. And his father's words are on repeat over and over again. And what is really dangerous is we don't realize it, that there's that script again running in the background, that that program is constantly running. And we're telling ourselves stories. We're piecing together some alternative reality. And it becomes dangerous when we don't realize those stories. And then we operate as though those stories are the truth. Yet, I mean, studies show, you know, when someone recounts an event, um, it's amazing how a combination of time or emotion or perception or even what's happening in current day reality completely changes how they recall a story. And so our stories of what happened and how they made us feel and how they made other people feel, they morph over time. They evolve over time. And we have to make sure we evolve them correctly. We let them grow the correct way because it's really easy for them to morph into something much more negative, much more nefarious than what was originally intended. Yet, guys, these are just thoughts. We are not our thoughts. We are separate from what we're thinking. But it's easy to believe that what we think about is really who we are. That's just not the case. So you change your thoughts and you will change the quality of your life drastically. But if we let these scripts keep running, we keep hearing our dad at 10 telling us we're lazy. We keep hearing that ex-boyfriend tell us we're, we're too thick or an old boss tell us we don't have what it takes for the promotion. We'll believe that we're not worthy of it. Is this resonating with any of you? I mean, are you hearing it? Is it, is it striking a chord? I mean, this stuff, this stuff sticks with us if we let it. I mean, I can remember, I can remember in the sixth grade, Aaron Price at Dotson Elementary School telling me in front of the whole class that I was ugly. I was crushed. I was devastated. But what was most crushing is that I carried his words with me for so long that I'm standing here at 40 years old and I can remember the kid's name. I can remember his full name. I can remember the exact words he said to me. I... Also can remember that later he fell at recess and broke his collarbone. And though I didn't understand karma at the time, I kind of flirted with it that day. So um, dear middle-aged Aaron Price, wherever you are, I hope your collarbone healed well. Sorry if I smiled when you tripped that day. 
So if we're struggling with this feeling of inadequacy, then sometimes that makes us not push through to the next level. We get really, really close, but we never take that last step to that final destination. Another reason we struggle with self-sabotage is that's what we know best. Even if you desire more than your current station, you're comfortable with it. It's predictable. We know it. We know all the players and the scenery and moving past this status will create new situations, new social circles, and new levels of commitment. And those can be uncomfortable. They can be scary. If you grew up in an 1,100-square-foot house and that's what you know, well, then that's what feels like home. So when you go out and you recreate your life, you recreate the life of an 1,100-square-foot house. There's nothing wrong with an 1,100-square-foot house, but what's wrong is when we desire something more and we're able to create more and we're able to contribute more, but we do the smaller thing because that's what we know. That's what we're comfortable with. And when we start to get too far out of what we know best, we start to sabotage our success to drop us back down to a more comfortable level. I work with a guy that's always forgetting to plug in his phone, which is his alarm clock. By the way, it's not not the best practice, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so his phone's his alarm clock, right? That's That's a lot of us. Well, the night before important meetings, he never plugs in his phone. His phone dies. He doesn't wake up on time. So he's been working to grow his business from two locations to six locations. So he's way outside his comfort zone. Even having two storefronts is is a, is a stretch for him, right? Stretch for him mentally, not not uh, skill wise or energy wise or or leadership wise. He's he's killing it. Um, but for his sort of home where he's comfortable in, he's stretched. So as he's trying to push from two to six, he's already stretched, right? And so he's trying to push to two to six and he starts sabotaging himself. And he would get so much anxiety, you know, signing invoices for for large bills, Um, not because his business didn't have the money to pay them, but because the numbers before the decimal point were too large. So he began sabotaging his success with a phone charger because he was getting too successful. And he feared where he was headed. He was fearful of the commitment. He was fearful of what it would mean to his family and to his friends. He was too far from the comforts of how he was raised. If we come from a blue-collar family, we feel like we have to be blue-collar. And we do it with, with picking partners, don't we? I mean, we pick what we know, not necessarily who is good for us, who will make us glow, who will amplify us. For some people, the struggle is their family. Their family didn't go to college, and now they want to go to college, but that's outside your comfort zone. That's outside your family's comfort zone. And once we step outside that comfort zone, we get that feeling, right? Like we just stepped off a ledge and your heart, your heart's racing and your blood pressure goes up and you're actually having a physiological response to being outside your comfort zone. Your body thinks it's in real danger. There is a woman that I work with who is afraid of public speaking. And and most people are right. That's that's America's number one fear. It's not it's not death and it's not plane crashes and it's not drowning and all these other things. It's it's literally public speaking and public speaking is not actually detrimental to your health. Sports psychologist Michael Gervais put it so perfectly as FOPO fear of other people's opinions. Our fear of other people's opinion is so, so powerful that it It has become the number one fear for Americans. So there's a gal 
She's afraid of public speaking, except she has this message that she really needs to get out into the world. So she finally works up the courage to go to Toastmasters, you know, a a public speaking forum. And she's about to get up. She's about to talk to this room full of people. And she has this physiological response. Her her body thinks she's in danger. It's telling her to run. I mean, she's nervous. She's sweaty. She's like... She's like an Eminem song. She's going to vomit her mom's spaghetti. She's telling herself, oh, man, this is a sign. This isn't my thing. I'm not meant to do this. This isn't me. This isn't who I am. I'm not a speaker. I'm okay being on the sidelines, helping other people and supporting other people's successes. I don't need to be on stage. I don't need all this attention under this fanfare. So she starts telling herself a story, right? It's one she's rehearsed over and over again, so much so that her brain thinks it's true. It's comfortable with the story. And she's just sabotaging herself because she does have a story to tell. She has an amazing history, an amazing perspective, and she needs to get that out there. But she starts sabotaging herself. She uses these emotional responses as evidence that maybe she shouldn't be doing this, that she needs more practice, more training. Those other guys don't look so nervous. The person that spoke before her, he freaking owned the room like a circus performer. He's meant to be a speaker. Maybe I'm not. We have to recognize when we're telling ourselves these stories, and these stories can take on many shapes. Sometimes it's phrases in our head. It can sound like, um, well, these things never work out for me. They work out for other people, not me. I'm not I'm not lucky. Or, or this, is, this is one of my favorites that I hear all the time is, I don't have time. And I'm just going to call us out right now on that, guys. I'm going to call BS on that because time, time's our great equalizer. Everyone has the same 1,440 minutes in a day. And think about that. Everyone has the same. Stephen Hawking had the same. Tony Robbins, MLK, Da Vinci, even Eminem had the same amount of time. And I don't know how we just made that list, but I'm going to just stick with it. So my point is time is the great equalizer. So don't kid yourself for one of those 1,440 minutes that you don't have time to create an amazing life. Because that's literally all the time we have. Because it's just not true. Here's the powerful, here's a powerful tool to reframe uh, your story around time. Swap the phrase, I don't have time to, I didn't make time. Instead of, I don't have time for that. I'm choosing not to make time for that. Wow, right? It takes back your power. It reminds you that you have a choice. It helps you take back your power, but it also puts the onus on you. And here's another one I hear a lot, especially in the professional world. And I must say, especially amongst females, I'm not ready yet. I need more training or more schooling. There's someone I've worked with in the past that's unbelievably talented. She has two master's degrees and thinks of these amazing projects that she would be unbelievably successful at if she just showed up, if she just showed up to do it. And yet I hear from her all the time, I should go back and take a class on it. I need to go back to school. No, the answer isn't more school. The answer is just showing up. Just be there. Don't expect to be perfect. Just be good enough and start. And if it's not good enough, you start again. Uh, You know, let me clarify. I'm a huge fan of education, whether it's formal, informal. I'm a voracious reader myself. I love books and podcasts. I love gathering knowledge from so many different places. 
I just don't love when we use that as an excuse not to execute, not not to pull that trigger. I love education, but you know what I'm a huge fan of? Violent execution. If it's not good enough, fine. Do it again. Do it better the next time. It's okay to not be good at it. But the pieces of art that are hanging in the museum aren't the best work. It's more about the person who had the guts to get out there. Undone. Not perfect. Messy hair and all. Stretch marks. I don't care. Just show up. I'm reminded of a story uh, by Robert Kiyosaki, the author of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. And he's being interviewed by this aspiring author, uh, this younger gal, aspiring author, who's challenging him on the quality of his writing. I mean, he wrote this, he wrote real estate investing series at this, I think it's the seventh or sixth grade level. And he reminds the aspiring author that's interviewing him that on the cover of his book, it says best selling book, not best written book. You see, he got out there. He executed while this gal, who's very likely to be a better, quote unquote, writer than him, still hadn't executed. She still hadn't shown up. She still wasn't good enough in her own head. When he's the best-selling author, he's the one who's selling the books around the world. But if we recognize our cycle of sabotage, if we recognize our fears, recognize what leads us astray, then we can change it. I'm thinking of another gal that I work with when she's when she's feeling low, she pops on social media. And I mentioned this before because we cannot compare someone else's Instagram highlights. We can't compare that to our messy backstage. We can't compare that to our, you know, unflattering photo and our messy life. The worst part is she does it in her weakest moments and she starts these stories in her head. Look at those families. Look at those kids. They're perfect. Their daughter doesn't always have food on her face. You know that mom never has to resort to Lunchables in her kid's lunchbox. So my client starts feeling bad about herself because she has fast food bags pouring out of her car. or She's rolling up to gymnastics class late and she just knows this other family. Oh, that mom, that mom. You can just tell she serves kale at dinner time and her kids eat it. You know there's no Lunchables in her kid's lunchbox. And that's the kind of story she starts telling herself, right? And it's like the parent struggle. It's struggles are real, man. Um, and we start to saying, "Oh, these are better parents than us. These, this, this colleague of mine, um, he knows exactly what his team is doing. He knows exactly how they, uh, how to log into their CRM and how to pull reports and how to this and how to that." No, that's just not the case. Like everyone's kind of faking it a little bit. Everyone doesn't know more than you, and you can't feel like you're just playing along with this constant fear of being found out. We all struggle. We all struggle. Okay, so we have to recognize our cycle of sabotage and we recognize our triggers, how we get there. For example, you know, yeah, I make it to Orange Theory every morning or I make it to the gym every morning, except when I go out with Steve. And then we party and we stay up till 1 a.m. and I don't go in the morning. And that's not so much of a problem. But then I don't go the next day and the next day. And then I just stop. Those little decisions They add up to big results eventually if we don't catch them and if we don't correct them. So if you recognize, hmm, partying with Steve is my trigger, what am I going to do about it? I'm not saying don't party with Steve. Like, Steve's a fun guy. He smokes amazing brats and brews his own beer. Like, Steve's a good time. That's fine. Hang out with Steve. But don't go out with Steve at 9 o'clock at night. Go out with Steve at 6. Go out with Steve on a Saturday night because you don't go to Orange Theory. You don't go to the gym on Sunday morning. Because once you recognize your triggers... 
You can change those triggers. You can manage those triggers. And the triggers can manifest in all different ways. But sometimes I find, you know, I hear people saying a lot of times, you know, I stayed up, I stayed up really late the night before. So I blew X, Y, Z in the morning. They sabotaged this important meeting. They didn't show up to an important event for their kiddos. But what's interesting to me is that a lot of times when people miss these really important events, it's for something silly. It's because they stayed up. I mean, like, what did you do staying up last night? Did you binge watch some TV? Or did you kind of sit on the couch and not do a heck of a lot of a, a lot of anything? Which here's the thing, guys, we need downtime. But what I always find very interesting, this theme I've noticed is that a lot of times when people sabotage these big things in their life, it's not because they were doing other big things. I rarely hear, oh, I didn't get that manuscript written because I was busy working on the cure for cancer. I didn't start that running program in the morning because I was planning that around the world trip with my girlfriend. I don't really hear that a lot. What I do hear a lot is the investor meeting was at 8 a.m. And I didn't show up as my best self because I was doing something stupid. You know, we've got to give ourselves latitude. We've got to give ourselves breathing room and downtime. But we got to be aware of it. And we've got to make sure we manage those triggers. So I'm not saying curling up on the couch and binge watching TV is a bad thing. Man, sometimes it's, it's, it's exactly what you need. But that can't be every night. It's a nice little escape, but we're not supposed to be creating lives that we need to escape from. So identify the cycle of sabotage, watch for the triggers, and and then what? Replace them with new patterns. Again, no Steve and Bratz in homebrew at 10 p.m. By identifying what that sabotage behavior or action is, we can design a new behavior to replace that one. If you're always forget to set your alarm before bed, how about setting it early the day before? The way you win it is the step before. The way you win the morning is the night before. Then practice, practice, practice that new action until it too becomes habit. Practice that new story in your head until your brain believes that story. Stay away from that that self-talk like, I never get up on time or I always do this or I never do that. You used to. But that's not you anymore. Now you've created a new habit. We get really stuck on who we used to be, the way we were raised, the people we came from, the kind of people that we usually date. Oh, my type, not my type. I'm a procrastinator. I'm an introvert. I would caution you to identify too strongly with labels because that's the beauty of this world. We get to recreate ourselves every morning. I get to wake up and decide, is my favorite color still blue? I think so. Is my favorite coffee drink still Americano? Damn, yes, it is. That'll never change. No, but I get to um, I get to decide. Every day of the year, we have 365 days that we get to choose who we're going to be today. Just make sure that you know it's a choice. Just because that was the story yesterday, that was the chapter of your life last year, doesn't mean it needs to be this new chapter. Don't keep reliving the same chapter over and over again. Redefine it. We've got control. We've got the power to do this, guys. It's, it's reconditioning. But you've got the pen in your hand. It's work. Yeah. But you're worth it. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, leave a review, subscribe, and help us all get connected. Hit me up on Instagram at aprilgarcia underscore the spark or check me out at thesparknow.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors, and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day. Thanks, guys.
guys are amazing.